KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. John Wick, excommunicado, in effect, in three, two, one. Now. Finally, time for John Wick Chapter 3. And away we go. Not since the Indonesian film The Raid have I felt so exhausted and exhilarated by an action film. John Wick Chapter 3 raises the bar on fight choreography by adding dogs, horses, katana-wielding motorcyclists, and more. Wick, played by Keanu Reeves, continues to face the consequences for his violent rampage over the death of his puppy wasn't just a puppy. Welcome back to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Today, I'm going to review the latest chapter in the John Wick saga and play my interview with director Chad Stahelski. At the end of Chapter 2, we found John Wick, the hitman who had come out of retirement to avenge the death of his puppy, had broken one of the key rules of the Continental Hotel, which caters to assassins, and has now been deemed excommunicado. With an ever-increasing bounty on his head, Wick is on the run and facing a constant barrage of assassins that he must fight off. Here he tries to get help from the director, played by Angelica Houston. Even if I wanted to, I can't help you, Jadani. The high table wants your life. How can you fight the wind? How can you smash the mountains? How can you bury the ocean? How can you... Escape from the light. Of course, you can go to the dark, but they're in the dark, too. So tell me, Jardani, what do you really want? That was a scene from John Wick 3. I'll be right back with more action after this short break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Stuntman turned director Chad Stahelski delivers one of the most gorgeously shot and choreographed action films ever as he elevates Wick's saga to ridiculously epic proportions. In the electronic press kit for the film, Keanu Reeves had this to say about Stahelski. Yeah, working with Chad is really fun. I mean, he's a great collaborator. We both kind of share the same taste, you know, in terms of action and, um, and cinema. And we can talk about story and storytelling and characters. And there's a shorthand and, and also an inventiveness. In, in Chapter 3, Parabellum, there's a lot more knife work and a lot more group work. In chapter two, was, you know, in the fighting, it was groups, but it was always one-on-one. In Parabellum, part of the way that we've expanded is it's multiple people, more multiple people, and that's another kind of expression of the, of the action. And also, John is, kind of gets overwhelmed in chapter three. He's not heroic all the time. You know, he gets beat up. And that's another kind of skill, you know, to take the reactions, you know. Um, it's one thing to hit somebody, it's another thing to get hit. You know, and that's a different part of the dance. And a dance it is. It's a breathtaking ballet of violence. I know, some may be offended by the excess violence of the John Wick films, and I get that. 
But these films feel distinctly removed from the real world and are more like a stuntman's tribute to what the best of his craft can offer. I feel like seeing one of the John Wick films is more likely to inspire someone to want to become a stuntman or to take up martial arts than it is to inspire them to become a lethal assassin. These films are really at heart about the art and craft of screen stunts and action. Stahelski's films are as much descendants of Sam Peckinpah, John Woo, and Asian action cinema as they are of silent clowns Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd. In Chapter 2, the film started with the image of a silent film car chase projected on the side of a building, just as John Wick's car rolls into frame. In Chapter 3, the huge image of Buster Keaton's face is seen projected on a building right before the action begins. Both of these things are Stahelski's reminder that stunts really began with the silent comedians like Keaton and Lloyd, who risked life and limb to deliver spectacular stunts, all for the sake of a good laugh. Stahelski honors those geniuses, as well as the likes of Hong Kong action choreographer Yun Wo Ping, with whom he worked on The Matrix. And it's from Yun Wo Ping and Hong Kong action cinema that he learned two key points. One, action begins in the script writing phase, and two, anything in a scene can become an active prop or weapon. Cars, guns, knives, just basic stuff. You gotta know how to make an omelet, right? Stahelski and fellow stuntman David Leach formed 8711, what they called an action design company. They were inspired in part by the way Hong Kong stunt teams worked, and that meant involving writers, cinematographers, editors, stuntmen, and cast members, all from square one in terms of planning, rehearsing, and executing scenes involving action. And that's why Stahelski's Wick films have action like no other American film. Stahelski has a complete understanding of the dynamics of screen action. So his films incorporate not just a jaw-dropping sense of innovation in terms of the action, but also work to create a visual style that complements the action and is aesthetically pleasing. This also means working closely with his star, Keanu Reeves, in not just creating the character of John Wick, but in creating the action that the star can credibly execute. Stahelski and Reeves are both very clear in pointing out that while Reeves trains with impressive ferocity, what he does is action, and stunt doubles are the ones doing the stunts. The two draw a clear line between stunts and action in order to make sure that those hardworking stunt people get the credit they deserve. Stahelski said this in the press kit. It's a level of commitment that is not normal. You'll hear it said a lot, I do my own stunts. No one does their own stunts. Stunts are done by stuntmen. If they weren't done by stuntmen, it wasn't a stunt. Actors do action, and the level of action choreography, we've just tried to equalize so that the action, or the level of action, the level of choreography we try to do does not exceed the capabilities of the talent that we're using. We choreograph through Keanu's absolute extreme talent level. Like, he is performing at his optimal ability. If he goes beyond that, if we need a rep or something like that, it becomes a stunt, and we will use a stunt double. But when you see John Wick doing all the massive fight choreography and the longer takes on the motorcycle and the horse, that's actually Keanu Reeves because that is his talent ability. We push him to his limits, and he operates or performs at his limit. John Wick Chapter 3 delivers some action set pieces that are simply intoxicatingly well executed. The speed of the action leaves you breathless. And I emphasize, it's the speed of the action itself, not the cutting or any frenetic camera work. 
Like those silent clowns in Asian action films, Stahelski often uses long, wide takes to allow us to appreciate the action and the fact that it's often Reeves executing the moves. Fast cuts are what films do to hide bad action or to show that they have no understanding of how to depict it on screen. But Stahelski is blessed with an actor who's not only down to train for the role, but to come up with ideas to take the character even further. Keanu understands this character more deeply than anyone. Um, I love the world, and I love the character, and I love collaborating back and forth. Also, Keanu creatively is, is fairly fearless. You know, there's no too much, too little, too soon, too late kind of mentality. It's like, how can we make this as fun as possible for the audience? Stahelski does a fine job casting Mark Dacascos as one of the assassins hunting Wick down. Here he looks to an actor who may be a bit forgotten, but who has stellar action credits to his name, including being TV's The Crow and starring in the French film The Brotherhood of the Wolf. Dacascos is great, and he seems to take absolute delight in the role and in being able to partake in great action scenes. Here he talks about his work in the press kit. Well, I was geeking out because when... Chad was working with Keanu on some of the moves. Um, he was explaining this one throw to Keanu, and Keanu was, was not sure what he meant. So Chad goes over and does it with the stuntman. And I'm like, what? Right? I'd, I'd never seen a director go over and do the move just flawlessly. And it was, I don't know how to do the move. It was this jump on the waist, twist, and then you troll the guy to the ground. And so this is our director doing the move. And it was great. And, and you know, I'm like, whoa, in my head. I'm just like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> and, then, and then he's talking to Keanu, and he wants Keanu to try it. And apparently Keanu had never done it before. Then Keanu gets up, and just the fact that he's going over just to try it in front of everybody, right? And he goes over, and he, he jumps up, and he locks his legs around the hips, and then he does a twist, and the guy goes flying. I'm like, are you kidding me? First the director does it flawlessly, and then the lead actor. It was great. John Wick 3 is a pure adrenaline rush from start to finish. My only complaint has to do with some narrative flaws. I'm willing to give any film a leap of faith. And by that I mean a film can create any universe it wants. And so long as it abides by its own logic, I'm willing to go along. So I'm fine with people falling off buildings and surviving or walking through a hail of bullets without a scratch. But there's a point in the story where John Wick does something so out of character and so not in keeping with the memory of his beloved wife that it almost derailed the whole film for me. Fortunately, the film corrects itself. But I wish it had conceived of a smarter way to keep the plot going than to have Wick abandon his own core values. Would you help set the mood for our new guest? Let us begin. Our services still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. John Wick Chapter 3 is pure action cinema. Don't see this in D-Box or 4DX or any of those theater-enhanced ride experiences, because it will only distract you from what's on screen. Stahelski and company make you feel the impact of every blow and experience the exhaustion Wick feels as the relentless onslaught of attackers come for him. You don't need any gimmicks to make this film more visceral.
John Wick 3 isn't a great film in terms of the ideas it explores, but it's a work that features absolute perfection in the execution of its action scenes and the way it pushes the envelope in terms of what stunt performers can do. Think of it like a musical where the numbers are flawlessly rendered, but the scenes in between mm, could use a little more depth. There's something about action well done on screen that's so intoxicating there's no other drug like it. Film is meant to depict motion, and just as Buster Keaton's silent film antics dazzled audiences almost a century ago, Stahelski's action films are making audiences look up and gasp at what his star and stunt team can pull off on screen in the new millennium. If you love the motion in motion pictures, then this is the film for you. Okay, one last break, and I'll be back with my 2017 interview with stuntman-turned-director Chad Stahelski. And I apologize for geeking out a little too much about his work. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. So when I got to see John Wick Chapter 2, I have to say that the opening sequence, when it started, I kept slipping closer to the edge of my chair because I was so excited to see an action scene shot in these long, wide takes without a lot of rapid cuts. And that was a thrill. So I just want to know, when you tackled it and you decided how to open it, Did, what was your thinking in terms of getting into those first fight scenes? Um, well, I think, like, my background comes from action directing and second, what they call second unit directing in Hollywood. Our company, 8711, deals with something called action design. There's stunt coordinating, there's stunt choreography, there's action choreography, which is choreographing the moves much like a dance sequence or a musical. And then there's the orchestration of the stunts, which most stunt coordinators do. And then there's action design. Action design goes to the next level of, while you're in the script and prep phase, how is this sequence going to be executed? How is it going to look? How is it going to be designed? And when we did the first John Wick, we kind of executed what we've always wanted to do in film. And I think in Hollywood, style, tone, like you know, you, the mise-en-scene of every project comes to fruition in the dialogue scenes and the photography and the lighting very rarely does it come together with action sequences. But then again, you have, like, I think the way Steven Spielberg executed the opening sequence in Saving Private Ryan. Nailed the tone, nailed the... Stayed with the character, told you something about the characters. It was incredibly well-designed. It was well-thought. It was well-executed. It tied directly into the story. Fantastic. It shot the way he wanted to shoot to give you that phonetic energy and keep you with the character. We're very similar in how we want to design our, our genre action films, whether it's martial arts or cars or motorcycles or explosions. We want you to learn something from the character. We want you to appreciate the tone. And we want you to <laughs> see the action. So yes, we like wider shots. We like seeing real professionals, whether there are, are, are acting performers or stunt performers, execute the choreography or the stunts that we want you to, we want you to see. There are a few exceptions to what I'm going to say, but nowadays, action is looked at as the execution only. It's not where we're going to do this, we'll let the second unit guys do it, the stunt guys come in and say, because they don't want to spend the money on prep or they want to spend the time shooting it. The first thing that gets crunched in, in budget wars, which everyone has to go through, is either prep or days to shoot. So a lot of times you get an action sequence that's shot and executed, 
not so much to show things, but to hide things or hide imperfections. If the cast member hasn't had enough time to train, you'll shoot him tighter. You won't see as much because you don't want to see the imperfections of technique or choreography. If you use a stunt double, you're going to want to hide the double, so you're doing a lot of over-the-shoulders or super wide shots or super tight shots. You're trying to hide things. If you don't have the time, if the guns don't work or the weapons don't work or the car doesn't start or you can't go fast enough, it's more about hiding and not showing the audience as opposed to a lot of, lot of prep great professionals executing at a very high level that have been thoroughly rehearsed. And I mean rehearsed with the camera teams, the actual on-camera performers. Your cinematographer has lit a way that will entice you not just aesthetically, but the lights will be hidden so you can shoot wide shots. Pretty much the whole crew is in on the action. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just how the rest of Hollywood does dialogue scenes. <laughs> I don't know why they just you know, throw it to the wind when it comes to action sequences. We just put the same care into our action scenes that we try to put into our acting or our dialogue scenes. It's not hard, it's the same process most directors use for all their other scenes. For some reason it just doesn't translate to action. I don't know, it's always a mystery to us. Well, I have to confess, I fell in love with action films through Asian movies, especially mm-hmm. Jackie Chan and Chow Yun-Fat, people like that. And I had a chance to interview Jackie Chan, and he talks about one of his big influences was Gene Kelly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. learning how to shoot action mm-hmm. through that. Is that something that you also appreciate? Say, I'll do you one better. I've worked with Jackie and his team quite a bit, and Donnie Yen and his team, and Jet Li and his team, and you know, huge influences. I love the Asian cinema. Love it, especially the 80s with the Hong Kong mm-hmm. action stuff, as well as Japanese animation. And you go back a step further to Akira Kurosawa. If you were to go look at John Wick or John Wick 2, you would see an amazing similarity in composition to Sergio Leone, uh, Bernardo Bertolucci, and Akira Kurosawa. We just like that. But I think our true influence is almost back to silent film. I love mm-hmm. Buster Keaton. I really enjoyed Harold Lloyd and Charlie Chapman. Um, if you can tell a story with the volume down, and you can still get what the movie's about, and you can still see the emotion on, on the character's face, if you can still see the chasing and get what's going on. I think that's a big part. Oh, my partner and I, Dave Leach, on the first movie, really tried to do a silent film. That's why Keanu's character says very little, and it's all done with emotion. So I think that's a good way to tell the story, and have the dialogue and everything else's backup, and really say things that mean something when they mean something. But we, you know, that's just, like the, that's just what appeals to me. It seems like, too, from uh, Asian action films that they do value the time put into mm-hmm. that stunt work. And is that something that you also got when you worked with Yun Wu Ping on The Matrix? Is that something kind of you got to see on a Hollywood film? And did that inspire you in any way? What we really liked about working with Yun Wu Ping was the methodology behind his action. The amount it was rehearsed, the amount of training that went into the cast. Most stunt teams rehearse a great deal with stunt doubles and the stunt men, and a little bit with the actors. We go absolutely, we throw every penny we can into training the cast member. And we just don't train them to memorize moves. Keanu was trained on this one to be a practical three-gun firearm technician, meaning he was trained in rifle pistol with live fire, you know, in a very safe environment up at a, in a, a professional shooting range, as well as trained with SWAT and uh, military personnel, and then brought to the choreography teams to accentuate that. Our best judo and jiu-jitsu martial art people were used to train him. So rather than fake being good, we just trained Keanu to be good. Basically, we just trained him to be a stunt guy. Now, we got that from very much the Hong Kong thing because it allows you to shoot differently. If your cast member is, an, is just a rock star and can do all the choreography that we want, you don't have to cut. Or you can choose where the cut goes. It's a, more of a directorial edit to give you pacing or to give you emotion or to give you some kind of storytelling ability as opposed to 
our actors only train to do three moves at a time, which forces the edit. Or I have to use a stunt double, which forces the angle. Or I can't see because the other stunt guys haven't been trained. Or the cameraman hasn't been on rehearsal, so the camera has got an 80-pound camera on his shoulder trying to keep up with all the guns. It always comes through, again, trying to hide what's not there. The Hong Kong teams, their cameramen were ex-stunt guys. Their editors were stunt Like, from the editor to the director to the performers, that link or that production line was all on the same page. They were all at rehearsals. They were all there. So on John Wick 1 and 2, our editor was there. Our cinematographer was at the cinema, was at the stunt rehearsals. Our stunt team, our cast members were overtrained. And that's where you got it. Now take that. When we work with the Wachowskis, they took the attention to detail of other directors in acting, lighting, and Wu Ping's attention to stunts, and they're the ones that put it all together. And like, one thing you'll get, which I completely agree with, they didn't see a distinction. At the time, even myself and probably Yung Wu Ping and the other action teams that were involved, you know, it was the acting scenes and then the action scenes, the Wachowski saw no difference. They were one and the same. And they really, truly believe that. Like, that's why there really was not a giant second unit on The Matrix. It was you know, our first unit directors carrying the story right through. The dojo scene in the first Matrix is a literal dialogue scene. It is an actualization of Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne coming to terms with who Neo is becoming. Just because they're doing Kung Fu, they might as well have been sitting at a table sharing a drink. It didn't make any difference to, to the directors. They just continued the story and the action was just another set piece. And that was a huge eye-opener at the time. Like, you should never stop the action is the story, the story is the action. And when you're choreographing stunt scenes or deciding to shoot them, how much do you plan in advance in terms of like storyboarding it out or planning the choreography and then how much of it is reaction to the actual location once you get there? I mean, do you also allow for some amount of improvising in terms of what you find there? It's absolutely unique to every situation. We have a standard, I, I guess, I'm fortunate. I have a background in action, a background in directing, a background in storytelling, a background in writing. So it, it starts with me, and I conceptualize what I want this character to be. We know we want John Wick to do a different kind of gun work. We want, we want to do close quarter work. Okay, now I go with the stunt scenes. We kind of what martial art fits this best. And we'll develop our own martial art based on jiu-jitsu or judo or sambo or tactical three-gun work or you know, how the Navy SEALs clear houses. Like, we'll come up with that and we'll kind of steal from everybody. Our stunt team will go out and play and shoot video viz or shoot test footage on video of what we want this to look like with our stunt teams. From there, if it's a gunfight in this, okay, what environment gives us the best way to make this look cool? For tactical gun work or close quarter gun work, the way we want to shoot, maze, hallways, tight quarters kind of thing, museums, catacombs, you know, warehouses, so we look for those locations. And then once we find a location where I go, oh yeah, this is great, I bring in my stunt teams and they spend two or three weeks adapting all the stuff that we've already conceptualized and conforming it to the locations. Throw in, if you're gonna do big car sequences, that's a little harder to just go out and video viz. So if you do a car sequences or big cranes or explosions, that becomes more storyboard or animatics that help to complement what we do live action-wise. So depending on the scale and the size of the sequence, that determines the methodology that we prep it. You brought up car stunts. There were amazing car stunts in this film. It looked like it hurt. <laughs> uh, the benefit of having 20 years experience in the stunt business is you know all the right guys. When you don't have a lot of money or time, which car chases can, can be, you have no time to waste just driving around the block really fast. So I go to my friend Darren and say, look, I want this to be the equivalent of Gung Fu, but with cars. So he's like, okay, that means we're going to hit a lot of stuff. I'm like, yep, I don't want any car left untouched. 
So Darren will go through and design all these sequences and train Keanu to actually drive because we want, just like we want Keanu in the gun sequences, we want Keanu in the car sequences. And Keanu's already a pretty handy driver when we got a hold of him. Darren and uh, his driving double named Jeremy Fry will go out and teach how to drift, how to spin, how to lock, and how to crash vehicles. So now we have canneries not just in the gunfights, we have canneries actually crashing into cars and hitting people, which he, d he actually runs over a couple sun guys, which is great. So it's the same kind of process. Get the right guy, somebody that's creatively amped. And again, sometimes being creative doesn't cost more or take more time. It's just, just brain power. It's sitting down with the right creative individuals and coming up with stuff that is financially independent of what you really want to do creatively. It's very easy to be, okay, we're well-known as a martial art choreography company. We are an action. We could take, and I have so many fight scenes already choreographed and on video, I could take the same ones and just use them over and over. What we try to do is take principles and attributes of certain things that we love and carry those throughout in our method and our process. But the actual, we try not to look back. So when John Wick was done, we're like, okay, I can use nothing from that film. Next, how do we reinvent? And that, it's... I'm not going to lie to you, it, it's difficult, it's hard, it's frustrating, and there's always the temptation to go back to what you know. You just can't. You really can't, because you'd be bored and like, you'd regret it the rest of your career when you watch movies. So it's like, okay, what didn't we do? What haven't we seen? And again, you can't waste time. Rather than drive the car on really fast and try to mimic something like Civil War, who has six to ten weeks to do a car chase, we have six days. How do we make it interesting? You know, it's just not about going fast. It's like, what does he do with the car? What is he? And again, it comes back to story. It has, you know, because again, I'm very fortunate. I have a cast member that is very, very collaborative. So Keanu can sit in, you know, one of our action meetings and go, John Wick wouldn't run. He'd just ram you with a car. We're like, great. That one sentence is what we're going to put. John Wick, he's going to try to get out because he doesn't want to fight. But then he's like, it's not really about the car. And his mentality is not evasion, it is destruction and collision. So we're going to base it on that. So John Wick just, if he can't shoot you, he's just going to hit you with a car. And that's kind of how we designed the sequence. That simple. Well, let's talk a little bit about 8711. Mm -hmm. um, and when you started this company with David Leach, was your plan initially that you were going to move into directing, or was that something that kind of came up later? It, it, it was kind of a two-pronged thing. Dave and I have always wanted to at least action direct since fairly early in our stunt careers. As soon as I found out that that was a thing, <laughs> I was like, that's something I'd be interested to do, especially because I like, I love martial arts. I love martial art choreography, especially, again, like we talked about from Asian cinema. And the best way to bring what you create or what you choreograph to fruition is being the director. You know, you can control how it's edited, you control how it's shot, which gives you a truer version of what you want to do. So I think that was always there. At the same time, after working so much with with people like Yung Wu Ping and, and, and the Hong Kong stunt teams and the Chinese stunt teams was like, okay, there's a need in the Western cinema for something very, not just, I don't, most people don't know how stunts work or the stunt community works. It's usually the producers hire a stunt coordinator who kind of oversees it, maybe hires a fight choreographer, a fight coordinator. They hire the guys three, four days out from the sequence, maybe a week out. They get a little bit of rehearsal time with the actor. They train them. You know, a uh, martial art instructor trains them or a personal trainer, and then they kind of just teach the actor to memorize the moves and hope that they're going to get something good out of it. Very, very few times is the cinematographer or the cameraman brought into rehearsals. We kind of go more with the, the Asian cinema methodology, like we've explained, where we want everybody involved. In order to control that, we needed to be slightly higher up the ladder and slightly more experienced. So we just focused on that and tried to really specialize in that. So the two naturally just kind of come together if you get where we fit in the process. 
and people come to us and go, well, we want this look because again, so many times in modern day action films and big, big movies, you can feel the division between story, story, story. Okay, cut, action scene. Everybody go home, let the sun team stay. Like you can feel like it's, it's almost jarring to us a lot of times. Like how can they spend so much money and not care about the, we took, we knew our greatest obstacle when Dave and I did the first movie was like, okay, they're stunt guys. How are they going to do story? How are they going to work with cast? They don't realize that in the second unit you deal so much with cast and we deal so much with story because we're trying to execute the vision of a very, most of the time, a very, very successful director already. So, you know, we spent and did our due diligence as much as we could to put as much love as we could into all the, the mise en scène, the, the story, the lighting. We wanted people to know that we're not just concerned about action. We're concerned about the story A to B, as any good director should, which is a bit of a, a, a wacky kind of conundrum that we see nowadays because so many directors are very interested in that stuff. Like, they'll tell stories away with the lines, but they won't learn anything about action. Well, the second unit guy will do it. Just, we learned about storytelling. We le- you guys can learn about action. It would make a better film. Don't give up on the action. That's my biggest thing. And the audience should not accept that. Make the directors go back and learn their ABCs of action. Learn They should have, a, they should have an opinion. They should have what's going to show. You can't just shake the camera around and hope your editor will figure it out 10 weeks from now. Like, that is a... when. Someone like Paul Greengrass did that. That was an aesthetic choice. He's done plenty of films where he knows, like, and that was a, a phonetic choice to wake the audience up a little bit. And I thought it was a good choice. The first time I saw it on the second born, I thought it was a very creative choice. Most people do it nowadays to hide, like we talked about, and I think that's a directorial mistake. Like, if that's your style, great, but if that's your fallback, get out of jail free card, I think you've, you've missed the bus on what you really need to do. So then how did you move from being a stunt company to actually getting John Wick made? Was that a difficult process to get backers to say, like, yeah, let's let these stunt guys actually Um, helm a film? Actually, it was Keanu that was just out of the blue phone call going, hey, what's going on? How you been? Good. You? Hey, uh, I got this script. I want to send it to you. Really like the guy in it, but it needs a little bit of, it, it, it needs something. Would you mind giving it a read? And I think that was on a Friday. And by Monday, I was telling him, I want to pitch on this. I want to direct it. And I think Keanu had specifically known that because he knew we were trying to direct. And I think he just found it, and he put two and two together. And he's really the reason it all came together. That was stuntman-turned-director Chad Stahelski. His latest film is John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. And FYI, parabellum means prepare for war. And that's exactly what you need to do to watch this film. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cinema Junkie Podcast. If you like what you hear, please recommend it to a friend and leave a review on iTunes. Coming up soon will be an interview with Donald Bogle about his new book, Hollywood Black. Till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.